Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who you are, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Heavenly Father, we do uh, come before you, uh, asking that you will aid us and and, help slow us down and slow our hearts and our minds and open them, Lord, to receive your word. Uh, We are feeling the weight of our busyness and this time of year, many of us want to take holidays and can't wait for that. Many of us are feeling just the the burdens that we feel, the expectations uh, to finish the year well and there's a ton of work to do. But Lord, help us to to come back to you and see the the great rest uh, that we can have in you and, and what you offer to us. And so I pray today, Lord, as we open your word and understand how the gospel shapes our work and our rest, that you'll speak to us and your spirit will move our hearts uh, to seek more of you in that. So we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, This last week I was uh, pointed to an article in the Atlantic, right? It's a website, uh, and it was titled this, Thomas Edison and the Cult of Sleep Deprivation. Do you guys know who Thomas Edison is? He's the guy who invited... uh, the guy who invented the light bulb, right? Uh, so the article raises the issue that in our uh, culture, many will cut back on sleep so they can achieve and accomplish more with our lives. Uh, and we know this isn't a new idea. Uh, this is something that's been going on for years, even all the way back to Thomas Edison. This is what this article is about. Interestingly, Thomas Edison, who uh, made light, believed that sleep itself was a waste of time. And so by inventing light bulb, he could work all hours of the day. He would work over 100 hours a week. He slept less than four hours a night. And he expected his employees to keep up with him as well. You see, uh, there was no light, no dark, day, night sort of distinction anymore. The light bulb helped him to do that. And to him, rest was the enemy of productivity. How many of you have heard someone in your life say that rest is the enemy of productivity? When asked, about, uh, when asked about it, he said there was really no reason why men should go to bed at all. That was his attitude to life. Uh, that was over 100 years ago, and today in the hustle culture of work and achieving your dreams, we're being spun the similar narrative, aren't we? We hear stuff like, sleep is for the weak, and I'll rest when I die, as if busyness, working 24-7, and not sleeping has become this badge of honor. Uh, that article goes on to say this, some people stay awake because they can't or don't want to sleep. They have insomnia or their Netflix cues beckon. But surveys suggest that at least for some workers, sleep is the first thing to go when there's pressure to get more done. A quarter of Americans say their current workday or routine doesn't allow them to get as much sleep as they'd like. Indeed, profiles of the rich and productive are riddled with humble braggy quotes about how little they rest. So true, isn't it? The narrative we're told that if you want to be successful in life, if, if you want to be successful, you need to sleep less, brag about it, work more hours, and tell everyone how many cups of coffees you've had today. It's all about that hyperactivity, that constant productivity. The longer hours you do now, the faster the reward will come, that promotion, that financial freedom, that opportunity. If I just hustle and work the long hours now, 
in my youth, if I sacrifice my sleep and my rest, then I'll achieve and realize my dreams. So many of us know that narrative and have spun that narrative. You know, I'll have made it. I'll have, at least in my eyes, achieved success and significance in my life if I just hustle a bit now while I'm young. I'll just hustle 24-7 if I need to because who needs sleep? Sleep is for the weak. Now, not everyone in the room has that sort of mentality. I know lots of you guys sleep too much probably. But I do know that many of us have felt the relentlessness of our work at times. Another text from the boss. Having a, having a mobile phone means we're reachable at all hours. Another email to respond to, endless work to do. You're sleeping, but you're always on, always stressed, and your very soul feels the weight of having to stay on top of everything. And so we do hope the Netflix, we do hope the gym, the video games, the dining out, the glass of wine on a Friday night, whatever your choice of escapism is, will solve the issue. But it only ever has those, those shallow effects, doesn't it? Our culture is glorifying those who hustle, and we're told that in your work, through restless activity, that's where you'll find security. That's where you'll find significance. Yet, like articles like this, it's becoming more clear that the work culture, this toxic work culture, is leading to high levels of depression, anxiety, and burnout. I said this before, the hustle culture has become the burnout culture. Pursuing long hours at the long-term risk of your health, physically, mentally, and emotionally, is just not worth it. And yes, those who are awoke are seeing the detriment of the hustle culture, then they'll recommend, what do they recommend? They'll recommend you sleep, they'll recommend you do yoga, meditate, exercise, find hobbies, hang out with friends, they'll solve all your issues. But how will we as the Christian, those who believe in Jesus, how will you and I live out our lives that believes there's more to this world than our work? How will we show the world that we trust in God with our very lives? How will the gospel speak into the needs that, our, that, that humans have for finding significance and finding status in their career and the hustle. Well, this is how we do it. We pursue gospel-centered rest. We're going to see today how our identity in Christ, who we are essentially as God's people, overflows to the way we approach our work and our rest. And in doing so, I hope you'll get this, this full picture as we round up this four-part series on work. And what we've seen so far in this series, uh, let's just recap quickly, that God designed work to be good. We saw how God himself works. We saw how work has been frustrated and now become enslaving to us. We saw that we have now a new identity in Christ where we see Christ as our boss, our, our greater boss. And so we work. When we work, we practice our faithfulness as Christians with integrity and honest and hard work. Um, but last week, we also looked at how um, God has given us many talents and opportunities. So, so through our work, uh, we can also multiply his work in the world. Do you remember that? That was last week, thinking about the talents. Uh, today, we're going to uh, see how God inserts rest in the equation of work. It's not just work. That's not all we live for. So we don't need to be enslaved to it, and we can enjoy the rest that he provides. To do that, we're going to firstly go back. So we're going to look at Matthew in a second, but we're going to go back to how rest plays out through the whole Bible, because I want you guys to have a good, robust theology about rest and, and this idea of Sabbath that comes up in the Bible. Although if, you, if you speak Hebrew, it's Shabbat just to show off your Hebrew skills if you want, uh, which really just means, Sabbath just means to rest, to cease from work, right? To do that, we need to go back to creation. Let's read uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. I've got it on the screen. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, and so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. All right, let's stop there. Here's what's interesting. God is God, right? He's all-powerful, ever-present, all-knowing. He doesn't run out of energy. He doesn't get tired like we do. But on the seventh day, he chooses to rest. 
and he sets out a seventh day apart and makes it holy even, a day of, uh, that's, that, that's what holy means, set apart, where you don't have to work, where he calls us to rest, where he himself rests. I don't think any of you guys ever think about this, or I don't think about this at least, um, but have you ever thought about why there are seven days in a week? Like, yeah, the, the, the sun and the moon and the stars, you know, there's a 365-day calendar, and there are 30 days in a month, but why seven days in a week? Uh, it's interesting, actually, back in the, during the French Revolution, they actually tried to change this. They tried to make it a 10-day week. And what happened was uh, it, 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 it was chaotic. People burnt out and got tired, and, and, and it was a mess. They had to return back to the seven-day week. But this is where it began. God designed it, ordained this rhythm of rest at creation within a seven-day week. It's biblical to see the week as seven days and on the seventh day to rest. And it's so global now, isn't it? The whole world accepts that. We, our weeks are seven days. We all accept the Gregorian calendar, right? Uh, and so that's the seven days. We have God who rests. Let's go to Exodus 20, though, 8 to 11, where we read about the Ten Commandments. You guys uh, uh, might know about the Ten Commandments. The law was given to Moses, and what do we find? It becomes enshrined in Jewish law. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right, so the law is enshrining what happened at creation here. God commands his people to follow his rhythm of work and rest there at creation. He didn't need to rest, remember, but he wants humans. He wants us to know where we are actually not God. We're limited in our capacity. We need rest, right? Uh, uh, and it wasn't just for Israel either. As you, this was given to Israel, but it was for those around them, their family, their servants, even foreigners amongst them. God wanted to bless the foreigners around them by giving them rest as well. The seventh day, everyone rests. Through that, through making it holy, God wants his people to see and know him, to worship him, to depend on him, to see his greatness through following the rhythm of rest on the seventh day. When we rest, we celebrate, don't we? When we rest, we celebrate God's design for the world, his design for us as human beings. When we don't, when we hustle seven days a week, 365 days a year, what happens? We break down. We burn out. Chaos ensues. Our bodies feel it, and it's not as it's meant to be. Taking a day off is a humble confession before God. We aren't divine. We aren't superhuman. I know many of you guys think you are. We can't uphold our universe without God. Let's go to another reference, though, Deuteronomy 5, um, where it's repeated, but it's slightly different. So observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall not labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, yes, let's repeated. Let's go to verse 15 though. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. There's a slight difference here, isn't there, to the Exodus passage. What we see is Moses here, he wants to declare Sabbath is a day to remember what? Our freedom as well. Israel, they were in slavery for hundreds of years under, the, under Pharaoh of Egypt. They probably didn't get a day off when you're in slavery under, you know, under this um, dictator, this, this narcissistic king. You can read about in Exodus, God rescued them. And so an observation of Sabbath was a day to remember your freedom from slavery, the God who gives you freedom. Remember God. Now, the scripture has heaps of references to the Sabbath. I'm going to give you one more. It's uh, in Leviticus chapter 25. 
And it says this, this is long as well, just keep, bear with me. It says, The Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. So for six years, sow your fields, for six years, prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the Lord is to have a year, uh, the, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Okay, so whatever the lands yield during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for you and your, your servants, the hard worker, verse 7, as well as for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces may be eaten. So you don't work for a whole year, but you eat what the land produces. And you, what is that trying to tell us? That God will provide. He'll provide it through the land. Let the land rest even, and God will provide. If you keep going in chapter 25, it gets really interesting because it talks about seven times seven years. In the 49th year, there's a, a, a year called the Jubilee, the, the year of freedom, where the whole land is to be freed, but not only the land. Slaves are to be freed and to go home. It's a year of celebration. So there's a Sabbath, Sabbath, which is the 49th year, the Jubilee. And as you read those verses, it's, it's this big picture of how rest is, is designed and how it's a year of celebration. It's, how it's, a, it's a year where God provides and gives freedom. And it's all tied into this idea of being in the land. And so rest and the promised land for Israel were very much tied up with one another here. The idea of Sabbath and rest is to be an act of trust to the God who provides for his people, to remember God and to trust him. Right? So that's, what we're, that's a picture that, that's being painted throughout uh, the Old Testament and the laws about the Sabbath. It's designed to celebrate God, remember freedom, to trust his provision. There. And, and these are all good principles to glean from the Sabbath. Why? Because at creation, everything was good. But when sin entered our world, everything was corrupted and twisted. Right? And so God had to give these laws. We work now uh, not out of joy. Often when we work, we're stressed. We're not delighting in honoring God. Often we find our identity in our work. We often do work and we find our self-salvation, our self-sufficiency, even self-justification through our work. People are finding the very purpose is meaning to life. I don't have meaning unless I am this, in this career. People are thinking that of themselves and it's exhausting. And they perform and they need to perform up to these expectations, these, these values, that their significance is in their career. And when they don't have that, it comes crashing down. We need to hear this. God created Sabbath. He, he created the idea of rest for a reason. But that's the Old Testament. Very important, but we're Christians. We're not Israel. Do we practice the Sabbath then? That's my question. Now, there are countless stories in the New Testament. If you've um, been in church long, if you know that Jesus himself was accused of working on the Sabbath. He himself was a, a Jewish man. He was working on the Sabbath and accused of it. And there are different views that have arisen over the years amongst Christians about how do we interpret and understand Sabbath and practice it as Christians. I'm going to quickly just share a few of them because just to help you understand the, the context of more. Uh, the Sabbath was for Jews, right? It's a, it was a Saturday. That was the end of the week, right? Just for those who argue with me all the time that the week starts on Monday. No, it actually starts on Sunday because God says the Sabbath is on the Saturday, so the week starts on Sunday, so don't fight me on that. Um, you can argue with God on that. But there are Christians who take that Saturday and makes it the holy day, right, to do church. Uh, you might know some friends who are Seventh-day Adventists. That's what they do. Saturday is a Sabbath, so they return to the seven-day creation mandate, and they gather for church and worship on Saturdays, right? They take the Sabbath very seriously. 
uh, and literally. And so they go back to the seven-day creation, that's seven-day Adventist. Now, there are Christians too, though, who feel bound by the Sabbath, and that's, um, they follow the ordinances, the laws. They, they, don't want, uh, they don't want to work, and they don't want the people around them to work either. Uh, I've, I've met some of, uh, I've met Christians who, uh, they, they call themselves Sabbatarians. There might be Sabbatarians in the room today, that's fine. They practice this on Sundays where they remember the resurrection of Christ, so the Sabbath is now the Sunday, uh, and they practice the principles of Sabbath. Right? So they wouldn't go to a restaurant because they don't want the workers in the restaurant to cook food for them. That's that sort of uh, where they don't want people around them to work. Right? They don't want to work and they don't want to uh, enforce work on the Sabbath, which is the Sunday for them. Sabbatarians. But I want to share with you how we, uh, at least me and, and I think the leaders, all the leaders here at Providence, understand the Sabbath through Jesus as Christians. Just in case anyone asks, so you can have this understanding too. We're going to go to Matthew that Georgie read for us. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right now, a yoke is that thing that, that oxen and cattle wear around their necks to plow the ground. It's really heavy. Uh, you see the expectations of the world. Jesus understands it. Trying to meet the demands of the world. It's a heavy yoke. Jesus says, come to me, those who are tired and burdened. Rest and find rest. Rest for your very souls. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Jesus is making a huge statement here. Come to me and find rest. What is he trying to say here? If you go into chapter 12 of Matthew, it's really interesting because what we read is a story of Jesus and his disciples picking grain on the Sabbath. And they're accused of doing work, right? And at the end of that story, uh, Jesus himself calls himself the Son of Man, and the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. It's really quite amazing to draw some lines, and you actually see when Jesus dies on a cross, when does he die on a cross? What day of the week? Honor? Friday, right? It's Good Friday when he dies. And he dies towards the end of the day when it gets dark. You know, when people practice the Sabbath, it's really quite interesting. I just want to share this with you. Uh, in Jewish custom, Sabbath starts from sundown the day before to sundown the day after. By Jesus dying on the cross at sundown on Good Friday, he's ushering in the Sabbath. He's ushering in the rest. But a rest that doesn't just last for a day, does it? He says, come to me and find rest. How interesting is that? That he, it's intentional that he dies on a Friday. God planned that. Because Jesus wants us to see that in him, it's not just a rest for a day. It's not just one day of the week, but there's an eternal rest that you're going to find in him, in God. He continues, he finishes, he fulfills God's work. Not of creation, he fulfills the work of redemption. And so it's through Jesus that now we can go to him and enter God's rest. Not a physical promised land. We don't need to go to Israel to find rest the land of Israel, it's, it's entering into God's heavenly land, into the heavens where we find eternal in his presence. You see, the gospel means that Jesus died for our sin. He has removed our sin, which means that we've been reconciled now back to God. We've been freed from slavery, the slavery of our sin, given freedom through Jesus. And because of his finished work at the cross, those who have faith in him, he invites us to come to him. All who are weary and burdened, he will give us rest. A deep spiritual rest for our souls in this life and for eternity. Now let me back it up with another uh, verse in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 to 3 and 9 to 10. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have the good news proclaimed to us, Jesus, just as they did 
Israel, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Verse 9, there remains in a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. What it's saying is we, we as Christians have entered into the spiritual rest. Those who believe in Jesus, believe the message that we've heard, have now entered into that promised land, essentially. The, the heavens, that, that, that when we put our faith in Jesus, in his death and his resurrection, we have a future hope. And now, doesn't that future hope shape how we work and rest today? If eternal rest is secured for you and I, the Sabbath law has been fulfilled in Him, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. When we are in Christ, when we put our faith in Him, we're transformed people. You no longer uh, live conformed to the ways of the world. You don't need to work in a way that pursues an identity of success and significance and status. We can find rest for our restless souls. There's a really well-known passage in Matthew chapter 6, and it's in the context of, of how we work and how we worry, where Jesus tells them about the birds of the air and the flowers of the fields, that they don't worry. Why do we stress? And why do we worry when we're more valuable than the plants? Yet so many of us, we hustle and we work overtime on weekends, and we don't rest thinking we need to uphold our universe. We need to retain this level of status in the world. We keep searching after, seeking after significance from others, our peers. Why? God provides. And in Jesus, he's provided more than just we need, what we need in this lifetime. He provides for us uh, an entrance into the presence of eternity, into his presence for eternity. Freedom, provision, God's goodness. Do you see how Jesus is fulfilling Sabbath, what Sabbath gives to the people? Freedom, provision. God's goodness, his presence. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the one who gives us ultimate rest. So let's return to the question, do we need to practice the Sabbath day as Christians? Do we need to cease from work for a full 24-hour day to obey the command of the Sabbath as outlined in the Ten Commandments if we're now in Christ? Paul addresses this in Colossians 2.16. I've got it on the screen. It says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon, celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Paul is addressing this very question. He's saying that the Sabbath itself, while some might, some might feel conscious bound, right, to keep the Sabbath laws, and that's fine. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ still. Yeah, if, if people want to cease from work on, on, on Sunday, that's fine. But let's not forget that it's a shadow. And the focus for the Christian is Christ, not the Sabbath. Yeah, the Ten Commandments are still good because they help us to love God and love others. We should be uh, trying our best to, to obey the commandments because they help us to honor God. Uh, but the idea of Sabbath is so much more than just a day off. It's actually in Christ. It's Christ who fulfills the Sabbath, who gives us a deep, eternal spiritual rest. Now, you could walk away from today and think, oh, well, if I'm in Christ and He's my rest, I can go on working seven days a week. It won't matter to God. I can just hustle every day because I have Christ and, and there's a spiritual rest there. But then aren't we just dismissing everything that the Bible says about rest itself? There's a reason why the idea of rest is repeated, reinforced throughout the Bible on and on. It goes back to the wisdom and the spirit of the Sabbath. Right? Not some legalistic thing that we have to obey, but the spirit of the Sabbath of rest, the idea of rest for God's people is a good thing. It's a good thing that we can do to honor God with. 
But I want to give you three really practical reasons to see the goodness of, of rest, right? Taking a day off a week. Rest restores us. That's my first point. We need to stop. Stop. And breathe. And remember God. As we stop, you know, we remember that God designed rest and built it into the fabric and design of creation. It's built into our bodies. It gives us the clear message that God is God and we are not. The God who doesn't rest chooses to rest, but he weaves into our human nature that for us to survive, we have to submit to our finite bodies that require rest. It's amazing that people believe that we should be working 80 to 100 hours a week. But when you read the studies out there, when you read the studies on productivity and all that sort of stuff, when people are working more than 50 or 60 hours a week, your productivity actually plummets. It's not sustainable. In fact, when you work more than those hours, it leads to fatigue and stress, increased probability in errors and accidents, even your immune system breaks down. When you work long hours every week, so many, you know this, people get sick because they can't handle it. They need rest. There's a reason why the average work week is, is around 40 hours. Pursue rest because rest restores our bodies. There's a very practical reason why we should rest. And I don't know what rest will look like for you, what restores you. Uh, but can I say, it, it, it doesn't help that we're always connected to our phones, right? Uh, I don't want to sound like a, uh, someone who's anti-phones because I use my phone all the time. Um, but when our phone dings and beeps and emails and those red, red numbers come up and you want to check your social media accounts all the time, sometimes we just need to stop. Take a break from your phone for a day if you can. I don't do that very well. I try to sometimes, but sometimes we need a break from that. Rest for me is, is doing something, not doing nothing. I can't just do nothing. For me, rest is exercise or gym, uh, spending time with loved ones, reading a book, playing games, whatever. Rest is to be restorative for our souls. And work won't do that for you. Take a day off. But also know that we need sleep. And I know I don't need to preach this to you because I know many of you guys do sleep well. But I, I do want to talk to those in the room, the few that don't sleep because they think they need to keep hustling. Uh, you know, Thomas Edison, who I mentioned earlier, entrepreneurial as he is, great inventor as he was, he's not a good example to follow here. Right? He didn't sleep much because he was so consumed with his work. And if you read his biography, the biography you'll also know that he was abusive to his wife, neglected his children, and didn't believe in rest. It actually wasn't healthy for him overall, for his, for his personal life. On top of that, go study what the sleep study. Go read the sleep studies, right? So many sleep studies out there. They, they will tell you. Google will tell you. Just Google it. If you are sleeping less than six hours a night every night, uh, you will break down. It's not healthy for adults. Uh, it will lead to physical or mental breakdown or even or, or burnout. Uh, there was someone here at our church, uh, a good friend of mine, who was working till 3 a.m. every night during COVID lockdown last year due to the demands of his job. He didn't have a choice. And he'll tell you he didn't burn out. Uh, but man, by the end of the last year, he quit his job, bought a bus, and is transforming it into a camper van to travel around Australia, right? To live that, that gypsy life. He'll tell you he didn't burn out. Uh, his name is Andy. Uh, he's probably listening to this online. Uh, he knows I love him. But there are uh, he was sleeping literally three to four hours every night. He had a child, one-year-old child uh, at the time, and he was working late hours for his job. Eventually, it just led him to quit. There are so many sleep studies out there. We can't do that. It's, it's not healthy for us, for our bodies. We need rest to restore our bodies. 
Now, I know everyone doesn't have that luxury. If you're uh, a first-time parent uh, or you, you struggle with insomnia, it's hard to sleep. I get that. But sleep if you can, because it will restore you. Practical reason. But sleep also because point two, rest relies on God. Okay? We can humble ourselves before God uh, we, we, when, we, when, we, when we rest in Him. Uh, it, it expresses our security to Him when we sleep even. When we sleep and we rest, we, we trust that He'll provide for us. He'll provide our daily bread. Uh, you see, the thing about the hustle culture and the work, e- work ethic that our world tells us is that if you want to chase your dreams, you need to sacrifice your rest to do it, right? You have to rely on yourself. You have to put the hours in, the resilience, the perseverance. People will tell you they don't have a 9 to 5, they have a 24-7. And they're so proud telling you that. They'll tell you that they, they, they have a, <laughs> this is a meme, they'll tell you that they have a dream worth more than sleep. It's so toxic. It's so unhealthy. We don't have to get sucked into that narrative. You have a God who invites you to rest because you already have the security and the significance in this life that can't be earned by dollars and status, but given freely by the grace of God in Jesus. Through him, you already have that significance. You already have that security. It's been stamped on your heart. His blood on the cross has earned it for you. Why are you so stressed? Why are you losing sleep over the hustle? What will your work give you that God can't and already has for eternity? And I know there's always more work to do. I'm someone who's always thinking, what's next for me? I'm always thinking about the next problem to solve. More things to learn. I'm always on YouTube trying to learn a new talent, a new thing, a new skill. I don't know why. But to rest means, God, I trust you. I can rely on you. I don't need to know everything or do everything. You're God and I'm not. You know, I need to hear this as much as you do. For some reason, I've committed to all this work outside of our church as well, and I've been working for 14 days straight now. Uh, and I'm preaching this to myself. I need to rest as well. I need to take a day off. I, I, I need a PA as well to organize my calendar. But that's just the way my life is right now. But I do need to tell myself, hey, I've got to trust God with everything. Rest is a good thing. It shows my reliance on Him. God is sufficient. And so in our rest and our reliance on God, let's also find the re- refreshment for our souls. Right, you might not have a choice. You might be working those 14-day weeks sometimes. But let's teach our, our, our insecure, burdened hearts what that looks like, to find refreshment in Him. Uh, we need to, to, and by doing that, it is going to His Word, isn't it? I, I tell our church all this all the time that to find rest for our souls is actually by going to His Word, by coming before Jesus, spending time reading it, meditating on it, without distractions around you. Yeah, can I encourage you to think about this? Spend each morning... Before your day starts, in quiet, maybe you need Christian music, whatever it is to wake you up, but to spend time stopping, breathing, and spending time with Jesus in his word and in his prayer. We call it devotional time, right? Spend time doing your devotionals. Why? Because that's rest in your day-to-day. That's creating a rhythm of rest in your weeks. I know it's hard. I, I, I need to practice this as much as the next person. It's hard work. It's a habit and it's discipline. But it's one worth cultivating in our lives. Because when we do that, when we start our days with Jesus, it's showing our reliance on Him. To know that we start our days knowing that we're already saved and loved by the God, by the one who truly matters. But on top of that, can I encourage you to also see that the community that God has given you, look around, this is your church family, right? And God has given you a church. In, in Galatians, there's a verse that says, carry each other's burdens. Jesus says, come to me, those who are weary and burdened. But then Galatians says, go to your church family as well to share your burdens. What's that saying? Walk with one another, yes, 
But when we cast our burdens onto one another, we're casting our burdens onto Jesus because together we're going to point each other to Jesus, aren't we? The church is there as a gift for us so that we can walk together, share our lives, share and carry each other's burdens. Are you doing that? Are you vulnerable enough and honest enough to share with the person next to you that you're struggling? You need rest and you need, them to, you need to find that rest in Jesus and you need someone around you to tell you that. Walk side by side. When we look to God to support us through our work and the burdens of life, we're also to look to his word and to the brothers and sisters around us. It shows our reliance on him. Thirdly, rest reorients us. Reorients us in, it reorients our hearts in remembering, delighting, and worshiping him. Right? We remember who we are and who we live for. You see, it's so easy to live for the hustle. It's so easy to live for, for wealth. It's so easy to conform to the world's demands of you to strive for some status, some dream, some uh, achievement, some accomplishment, some ambition that tells you if you just reach that bar, you'll have made it. But that bar keeps moving, doesn't it? And, and even if you do get there, you'll be wondering what's next. You see, what the world doesn't tell us is that no matter how far you go, how much you hustle, your souls will still feel a deep discontentment, a dissatisfaction of never having enough, never being enough. Isn't that slavery? It's burdensome, isn't it? Honestly, it's so exhausting to keep having to meet the expectations of our careers and the approval of others. Why do we do that? Why do we look for validation or, or the approval of our peers and those who follow us on social media? How exhausting is that? It burdens our very souls, doesn't it? When we rest, it reorients us. It tells us to stop and reflect on the God who loves us and his provision for us. The same God who freed Israel from slavery under Egypt has freed you and I from sin so that we can enter into God's rest. That should be so liberating. For you and me, it means when we rest in Christ, we remember we aren't slaves to the world's expectations of us. When we rest, we aren't a slave to your career's expectations or the demands of your job. We aren't a slave to even the insecurities of our hearts. Isn't it true that we're so enslaved to our ambitions? ambitions? We, we need to know that, that truth because I, I totally get it. Many of you, you taking time off to rest, you, you feel guilty, don't you? It makes you feel unproductive. It makes you feel like you're wasting time. But you aren't a slave to those things. They won't give you the significance and status you're looking for because you already have it in Jesus. God has gifted you with rest, eternal rest which means freedom from your heart's insecurities and the world's demands. Man, when, when rest reorients us, it reminds us that our hope isn't in our work, in our career, or the hustle. Our identity is in Jesus. We have everything in him. We can, we can take a day off, and the world won't go up in flames. We can go to church every Sunday. And when we do, we, we rest, and we set aside time to reorient ourselves with Jesus and his people as a joyful response to the gift of redemption and freedom that we have in Jesus. We remember, we delight, and we worship when we reorient our hearts to God. So, let's restore, let's rest to restore. Let's rely on God. Let's reorient our hearts. Before I finish, what will it look like for you to start scheduling in those rhythms of rest? Are you able to see the goodness of rest that's been designed for us by God and the ultimate rest we have in the gospel of Jesus? Uh, I know many of you guys probably rest really like as in take days off and, and do that really well, but I'm not talking about just doing nothing and spending a day off to have fun. I'm thinking about also rest in the sense of reorienting our hearts with God to come to Jesus in our rest. 
What if I told you that making time for God each day, making time for rest in your week, a gospel-centered rest, will actually add value to your work? What I've been trying to do these past four weeks for us here is is to help liberate you and see how a gospel-centered approach to both work and rest is not only freeing but fulfilling. You don't work for something in this world. You work from something. It's not a means to an end, but you work from knowing a good and great God that has saved you in Christ. See, the common thread and theme through the series has been knowing your identity is in Christ. If we're in Christ, we have the approval, we have the security, we've been gifted with significance and success. We can work and we can trust God who is in control and we can rest it all at the feet of the cross. The hustle, it promises us so much, doesn't it, but delivers so little. If our, if our identity is going to be caught up in the hustle and our work, we're always going to be left disappointed and frustrated. What it delivers is shallow, temporary, and fading. And on the flip side, though, if we live for rest, if we think rest and holidays will fulfill us, we're going to be left disappointed too. I mean, rest in itself, yeah, early retirements, uh, what, endless margaritas with never-ending holidays, that's not the goal either. Life becomes meaningless if that's all you're going to do every day of the week, just sit on a beach. But let's operate from a place in Christ shaped by the gospel, where we work with joy and delight, knowing our work and our rest is a form of worship, is, a form where, is how we can please our God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you uh, that over these weeks you've been shaping for us what it looks like to be a people whose identity is in Christ first and foremost. Help us to keep seeing, Lord, that the gospel that shapes us, how we live, also is we're called to shape our work with as well. Help us to see that, Lord. Help us to apply it each day as we wake up, as we come to you each day in rest, but also come to you in our work, knowing that Jesus is our boss. Keep reminding us all these truths, Lord, so then our work isn't just a means to an end, but our work is a way to glorify and worship and honor you. Lord, for those in the room who, who are Christians, those who call you our Lord and Savior, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray your spirit will be at work, convicting our hearts that, that this, is, uh, is, this is how you've called us to live in this life and that our work is a gift and our work is an opportunity to make much of you. For those who don't know you, Lord, though, I do pray that these, uh, these, these talks and thinking through how we work and rest will be helpful to, to shape our bigger picture of who you are, that you are a God who uh, is good, a God who provides for us, a God who gives us freedom and security. And I pray, Lord, that that will be something that, that, that moves our hearts together. I pray this, Lord, uh, all in your Son's great name. Amen.